This episode of Ticket Volume is brought to you by us, Invigate. Get service operations under control in no time. Get one free month of our software solution by going to try.invigate.com. Ticket Volume welcomes the author of The Ultimate CX Primer and co-creator of the flourishing nonprofit community CX Accelerator to help customer experience professionals grow and succeed in every stage of their career. He's been recognized as CX Influencer of the Year and a top global leader by many brands. He's currently serving as the Senior Director of Customer Experience for Arise Virtual Solutions, Inc. Welcome to Ticket Volume Live. I'm your host, Matt Barron, and every month I host a live podcast to give you even more perspective on great service and even a chance to get on the podcast. Speaking of customer experience, you are our customer, and we can only improve if you get involved. Send us feedback, send us topics, volunteer as a guest, leave comments, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Now, let's begin. Welcome to Ticket Volume, Mr. Nate Brown. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hello there, Matt. Great oh, you yeah. came ready to rock, Nate. I got to get my hat on. You do. I'm from Minnesota, oh. born and raised, so I only really have stocking hats. <laughs> I was worried that you were going to have a larger hat than I did, so I actually prepared a secondary hat um, just in case. Uh, <laughs> But it looks like it looks like I'm okay with the traditional fedora, so I'll go with that. But you look great in that stocky cap. <laughs> Thank you, my dude. Thank you so much. <laughs> Clearly, you love to have a good time. Um, I want to thank you for being here. I love thank seeing you. all your pickleball posts, your disc golf posts, your <laughs> mini golf posts, and your hats. I love them all. Well, thank you. I, I love everything about you as well, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> we got to show some love at the beginning of these. So. Uh, let's get right into it because this is such an important topic. It's something yes. that is very near to, dear to my heart. I know it's near and dear to yours as well. Um, reading through your bio recently, I realized that you did come from a technical background and I didn't really realize that. Um, and what I always struggle with, and, and I think the IT and the technical industry has always struggled with, is this term users. It sounds so much like degrading and like they're it creates segregation and it doesn't really feel like we're serving them um what's your take on that what do you think yeah i mean we're, we're looking to to enhance the lives of those around us through the things that we can do through our unique unique products and services or skills and capabilities you know whatever that is so we have customers of all types but i mean really what it comes down to is just our ability to to enhance the the things that those around us are doing and, and ultimately to be of service. Yeah. Yeah. Serving others. And, and you see this on the service desk all the time because it's so common um, that we hire for technical abilities and then we kind of fall short. They, they aren't actually meeting the people that we're serving um, at the same level. Now, you, you hire for the heart, Matt. I mean, it's, it's becoming more and more clear when we take a bold stance of who we are as a brand. And, and we are not trying to be all things to all people. And, and that applies to both our customers and even more so to who we are culturally. If, if there's not something distinctive there, I like to call it the key. If there's not a key that has an inscription on there of like what makes you unique culturally, because not just anybody should have that key to your front door to become an authentic ambassador and worker for your organization. So keep that door locked 
and only give the key to the right people. And if you don't know what that key looks like, th then you get to start there. Mm, such <laughs> a good point, dude. You got to know what culture you're trying to create, what kind of people you need to hire. Oh my gosh, that's such a good one. You've also got this awesome stat around the complexity of IT, right? Yeah, and it's a little dated, Matt, but I would imagine that it's gotten worse. And this comes from Cloud Security Alliance report. And the sad reality is that the average enterprise organization has 464 custom tools in its digital ecosystem. And like 38% of those are not even known by the IT department. Like that that's terrifying. So, so what we have are people and leaders who, who are going rogue. They're out there. They're trying to solve a specific problem. They're not going through the effort to be collaborative and understand the nature of the tool set you already have. And they're just going out and grabbing stuff. And it's created such a mess for so many organizations. We got to do something about that. Yeah. Yeah. I know everyone who's worked on a service desk feels the same way. You know, we've all done the thing where we, you, you are categorizing your ticket and you say, okay, it's an application question. And then you need to pick from the dropdown of oh, all applications. And <laughs> not only are there like 400 apps, but they have like multiple names, nicknames, oh, yeah. Yeah. like 800 apps. And you get that, that fragmentation, you get that, that shadow IT. That's what we call it, shadow Ooh, IT. Terrifying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you put it perfectly, terrifying. <laughs> but so true. My goodness. Okay, so let's, let's back up a little bit. Um, because CX, you know, if, if we come to the assumption that IT is serving customers, we're not serving users, we really are. It, it is meant to be a service relationship. So let's call them customers. Let's just Love do it. it from now on. You and I, pinky swear right now. <laughs> I take these commitments very seriously. You can ask Leslie Oflehaven, who made me promise that I would never use the word soft skills in 2017. And by gosh, have I kept that promise pretty darn well. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, because it isn't. It isn't. So talk about that a little bit. I need to know a little <laughs> bit more about that. What, why, what, is, what does she have against soft skills? Oh, I mean, it's just this idea, these wishy-washy, uh, you know, skills of, of communication and writing capability. And Leslie's like, that's the hardest skill of mm. all. Like, there's nothing soft about the ability to write well. There's nothing soft about the ability to communicate with other people. These are the most essential skills that we have. Let's, let's stop acting like they're they're over here they're peripheral they're soft and then and then we have these other skills that are oh though that's hard you know I, there's some meat on that bone oh yeah you know we can really build a foundation on that that hard skill of that technical capability or or whatever that project manager certification no no you can't do that work without the ability to motivate and inspire people to actually get with you <laughs> and, yeah. and and partner with you in the work that you're trying to do forget about it yeah, what a great point. I actually ran into Leslie uh, at Support World. We missed you there. Uh, I know you were there last year. We missed you, but totally understand. I see oh, how busy you are. I'll, I'll, I'll be there next year. <laughs> yeah, we would love to have you back. And when we dial back, I really want to talk about this, this concept of CX and just talk about customer experience because that's what CX stands for, just in case anyone has been living under a rock for a while. Okay. Not that living under rocks is bad. I love rocks that. Cool. Cool shade. <laughs> um, so, but what do you, when you, when you at the heart of, of CX, how do you begin explaining customer experience? 
Yeah, I mean, my, my favorite academic definition does come from Forrester, and it's the thoughts and perceptions that people have towards the brand. Mm. So the, the idea of the thoughts and perceptions, you know, we're kind of in that artsy right brain category, right? But then it's so scientific. It's, it's so technical in the sense of the psychology of where do these perceptions come from? Mm. How do we understand them? The, the data of collecting those and analyzing those and knowing how to move forward as, as an organization together to enhance those perceptions towards loyal, meaningful outcomes. And, and then it's change management. Then it's project management. So, I mean, it's so artistic. It's so scientific. It's so left brain and right brain. It's, it's just the best work in the world, but it can't be done alone. Yeah. It's bigger than one, one person It's bigger than, it's bigger than even a team. It's bigger than a small team. It's one of these things where really, I mean, if you want to look at what CX is, it's a culture transformation through and through. It's the way that we as a business think about our customers and ultimately the way that we treat them. <laughs> that, that's, that's what matters. It's just the culture around that very thing. Oh my gosh, that's such a good, that, I love it so much because it, you can see how it's not, to, like I pointed out the service desk has to, has to provide service and have that service mindset. What you're saying, and I love this, is that we all need to embody it from, from the point of we're going to design a system to the point where it's live and operational and broken, like all of those ways we need to serve. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the last one as, as much, but yeah, absolutely. And, and we think about the traditional, and I, I do feel like we have evolved from this greatly, but you used to have the, the stereotypical IT department in some cave in some corner of the office, and they would, they would literally vocalize, I don't want to have to deal with any customer ever. For, forget about it. Don't don't put me on the phone with them. I don't want to have that's that's your job. When when now, I mean, now think about the ways that customers interface with our brands. Mm. Like for most, it's like 80% of it is here. Mm. What's powering this digital ecosystem in which the, the customer is interfacing with us? It's the IT department <laughs> that is yeah. creating the experience. A huge portion of the overall experience is being created within the IT area. So, so no longer can any of us hide in a cave. <laughs> we, we have to come out together and really understand the nature of our customer, the, the perceptions that are being generated, and how we can create a better, more holistic experience through and through the digital, through to the human, through to the brand experience, the, the fulfillment of the, the ultimately the brand promise, however that's done, <laughs> digitally, physically, otherwise, uh, it just needs to happen together as a business. Yeah, yeah, such a good point. Uh, I love Alan Dixon's point here that that we've got a simple analogy. Don't tell the customer that sugar is in aisle six. Take them there, engage with them. There's so many opportunities in IT to yeah. do that. Like from from service design, I had David Barrow on recently on my podcast, yeah. and he pointed out co-creation of value is a great concept. Have your customers along for the whole ride because Woo! then, yeah, you don't have to you don't have to convince them. They're on board from the very beginning. Well, I, I don't want to steal thunder from the future of our conversation together here, Matt, but my goodness, that idea of co-creation, community is the future of customer experience. When mm -hmm. we bring customers into community with us, when we earn that, because that can only be done when there's a good, authentic community in the house first, then we get to invite our customers into our brand promise and co-create with them 
how can we accelerate this promise together? How can we do something unique and amazing together? You're getting insights from your customers. They're helping you to forge the evolution of that promise to make it more relevant. They're bringing the right customers to you. Again, we can't be all things to all people. When you cultivate community around your group of customers, they're going to bring the right customers to you and say, you've got to be a part of this. We're doing something special here together. That, that is the future of CX to me. And, and a lot of that comes from Mark Schaefer. I don't want to sit here and act like this is all my thinking. It's not. I mean, belonging to the brand has has revolutionized my thinking around marketing and CX recently. Uh, so so mad credit there to Mark Schaefer. But, but so many others have paved the way for that thinking as well. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I think um, I, also, same, I don't want to, <laughs> none of these ideas are mine. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun, man. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun. 12 <laughs> monkeys writing Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> and the, the same goes for, for customer experience and employee experience. Um, you can steal from other places, but ultimately the demographic that you serve is going to need something very specific. They, they may not actually enjoy the other experience that you're copying. Yes. Uh, a quick comment for Alan. Uh, I was walking through a major grocery store that starts with the letter K and uh, they were they were throwing stuff over the aisles. I almost got hit by a packet of Kool-Aid. Uh, <laughs> they're just throwing stuff over the aisles. I mean, I guess it was uh, a stalker who, you know, if he had the wrong item or something. Instead of walking it around, they just chuck it over and go get it later. <laughs> I, I about got hit. So yeah, I thought that was a funny, a funny thing to say in the in the context of your aisle six comment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so good. And and what I think, I think what we're trying to, I, I think one of the things that IT is trying to overcome when it comes to customer experience, because people, the IT experience in, influences how people feel about the company that they work for, right? It's, yeah. I'm not requesting a laptop from IT. I'm requesting a laptop from my company. You know, I'm not being onboarded by IT. I'm being onboarded by my company. So everything that we do influences how they're how they feel about it. And stereotypically, IT teams haven't cared about experience, right? We come from this long history of of throwing stuff over the aisle, so to speak. <laughs> well said, Matt. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> I do see what you did there. Um, no, I mean. What, what we get to be, I, I love this metaphor from Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller, the idea of the customer is the hero of the story in, in this. And it's really hard, Matt, for us to take the focus off ourselves. And, and especially for somebody like me, this has been a struggle in my career. I used to make CX work about myself, if, if you could possibly believe it. <laughs> but like over these past few years where I've matured, I have realized, no, oh my goodness, I get to give this work away. The, I, I'm good at my job. When I make other people understand the power, not, not of customer experience, because who cares about that word? The power of them serving others well in the context of our brand promise together, generating curiosity, excitement, energy, capability around that, creating community around that, that that's what I get to do. And my goodness, this is not about me. Mm -hmm. So, so these IT folks, uh, you know, breaking free of some of those traditional ways of thinking of just let me do my job. Just, just let me stay in my box. Just, just let me check my boxes, do my thing. Don't, don't force me to, to necessarily engage in this larger community, this more, this, this idea of, of strategically trying to serve others and being proactive in that way, because that's what we get to be. We're the guide. We are the guide, especially IT people, because you're laying out the digital journey. 
And that is the journey more and more. The digital journey is the journey. So when you are an effective guide to say, what friction is there along this path? How can I proactively reduce it? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking back to a coworker where we had to protect the fan in his laptop. If, if we made him present in a meeting or, or did something that would turn the fan on in his laptop, it would all just shut off. <laughs> 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 but, but even more, like that's a very remedial example, but like thinking about um, uh, software, I mean, G G2 crowd not long ago said that like half of people were looking for a new job because the software that they use in the company is so bad, they could not do their jobs well. So in other words, they are not an effective guide because they don't have the tools that they need. They don't have the information they need to be a good guide for their customer. You, you get to change that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it really is an incredible opportunity. And, and you, you make such good points here because I see it on Reddit all the time, uh, especially people trying to get into IT or get off of the service desk. They're trying to manage their career to get away from people. And I think that that is, that is a problem. It, you're never really going to escape people, whether you're on a team, yeah. and it's the people that you work with, um, or, or you're, you, everything that you do is meant to serve people and enable them to be better at their jobs. We're all great professionals, but we need to, we need to have the, the humility. We need to humble ourselves to understand that, that uh, although we, don't, we are great at what we do, I'm a great application developer, I'm a great network uh, manager, whatever, whatever it is, we also need to realize that the power of being great at it is that the people don't notice that your network is slow. They don't notice that your application development lifecycle has a flaw in it or that there's a bug. You know, it, it really is serving people at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's a lot to unpack there, Matt. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, we need to serve inside of our skill set, right? In, in that sweet spot, you know, not, not everybody's going to want to interface with people all day. Totally mm -hmm. respect and understand that. But there is a responsibility to be a good corporate citizen and not just a generically good corporate citizen mm -hmm. be kind, take your sexual harassment training on the LMS. I, I, what I'm saying here is engage in the community of your organization, understand your unique brand promise and find ways to serve it. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things in terms of your role as a guide for your organization. And it will, some of those paths will lead you, to, to serve in tandem with others and to do that collaboratively and collaboratively and effectively. Now to what percentage that is, you get to find that, but it's, it's really more about the, the heart that you bring to that work rather than the skills. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Engage in the community Kathy. of your brand. Hey, hey Kathy. Kathy. <laughs> Great to see uh, you. She's got a good point here. Training needs to include emotional intelligence. I, I really find this lacking in managers. Um, you know, if you're a manager and you don't feel like you've got a high EQ um, yeah. or you don't have the empathy that you need, this is something you need to pay attention to and something you can and develop. What is that? This book's been kicking my butt. Radical Candor by Kim Scott mm. um, it's made me very much realize how impatient I am as, as a leader and as a coach. Uh, she's got this brilliant model of, of earning the right with people. <sighs> you know, be, earning that right in terms of I, I care about you. You can trust me. I've demonstrated that by walking alongside you for a duration of time. Now, now I've earned the right to challenge you and, and to coach you. Or maybe I haven't. And we've realized that together. And that's okay too. 
<laughs> but but coaching because I'm your manager, coaching because I'm a QA person, uh, coaching because I have a perception that I'm better at a job than you are, I have more experience historically, that does not check the box of care <laughs> and, and earning that trust factor with you. So, uh, Kathy, you're exactly right. Uh, and thank you to Kim Scott for bringing so much emotional intelligence to so many through that great resource of radical candor. But we need to be focusing more on that. Alan's got another point that uh, Alan, we, we, know, we know what a good experience is because we've all been customers of bad experiences, you know, checking into the hotel, the room's not ready. There's tons of examples of these. And he brings up the golden rule we, we should do unto others as they want us, as we want done to us. I heard recently the platinum rule. I'm sure you're familiar. Do unto right others as they would want. They would, oh, that's right. To be done to them. I yeah. love that. It's just like, take it up just one little notch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every every time I do. hear the, the golden rule, I cringe a little bit because I, I, I'm a person of like extreme conviction around integrity. Mm. But one time in, uh, in ninth grade with Miss Quinton, we, we, had to, <laughs> we had to do a project where we had to like create a, a quote, like a life mantra for ourselves. And, and I heard in the Aladdin, and we had to make it up, but I was watching the movie Aladdin, and, and I think Iago or Javar or somebody said the golden rule, he who has the gold makes the rules. And so I, tr I tried to use that for my project, and she called me out on it because I did it from one of the most popular Disney movies of all time. And I'm still very convicted about that. So Wow. I'm yeah. sorry for that experience, dude. That sounds traumatic. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, yeah. But, but I love the platinum rule a lot better. And it's so true. It applies to this work so well. Yeah. Yeah. So true. It, prop, props to Disney too for nailing capitalism in one quote. <laughs> They've been doing it for decades. They continue to, to nail it. So true. So true. So another thing that I want to talk about real quick is that um, uh, number one, if you've got questions, post them in the chat down below. Uh, we'll bring you on live. We would love to have questions. Um, we'd love to have you on video. So if you're camera ready, um, ask a question. If it's good and you know you feel like you want to ask it and come on live, by all means, do it. This is not meant to be just a Nate and I show, right? Let's get involved. Let's it's, get folks in here. It's about the experience. It's about the customer engaging in the community. I love this And if stuff. you're not camera ready, trust me, no judgment here. No judgment. Just throw on a hat and come on in. <laughs> Yeah, I'll throw one on you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So the next step that I want to talk about is because um, I want to provide tactics for, for IT people that are trying to get into this. Like, how do I improve these experience? What, what, is, what is the next step? And I really wonder, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm thinking about partnering, I usually go to like HR or I think about partnering with the other people that are providing service in the organization. Um, what, what do you think, what, what would, what would your advice be for it people that are just hearing about this, curious about it or, or wanted to get a bit deeper? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, I love thinking about John Coder when he thinks about establishing a meaningful change initiative. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is a culture change here, mm -hmm. which is, which is good for us to acknowledge that, but it's also terrifying because if we look at traditional wisdom from Harvard business review and others between 80 and 90% of cultural transformations fail. They don't stick. So we have an uphill battle here, but, but acknowledging that being realistic about it, knowing that CX in developing this mentality is not something that we can compress into a quarterly business model. 
is, is the first step to success. So let, let's just acknowledge that. So the first thing that John Coder talks about is establishing a sense of urgency. You, you get to light a fire here in terms of, and it could be, it could be a little bit fear-based. It could be a little bit like urgency around your competitors and the fact that you're losing market share because you're not winning the CX battle. And we know right now in this hyper-competitive marketplace that brands that are getting market share are those that are earning it on the customer loyalty front. They're, they're doing it there. They're moving up in the CX indexes. So, I mean, th this is how we earn the right to grow the organization. So there's that urgency that can come from that. But, I mean, it's just also the right thing to do. Like, if you want to lock in your top talent, if you want to retain your best people, if you want to ultimately fuel your sales and marketing engine, then as we were just talking about, it's done through customer community. It's done by earning the right with your existing the existing customers now so that they're pulling more in. It's that mm -hmm. classic Gene Bliss customer growth engine. Look at your customers by volume and value quarter over quarter. Are we earning the right to grow that greatest asset of our customers? Yes or no. And why? Mic drop. Either way. Let's yes. not hide behind the hypothetical numbers. Volume, value. Are we growing our asset of our customers? There's nothing to hide behind there. So that, that gives you that sense of urgency and acknowledgement of where you are and, when the, and the power of where you can get. If you, if you grow that asset in the right way, it is the future growth of the business. So all, all that to say, but then the next step is the one I really wanted to get to. It is a CX change coalition or John Coder's words, just change coalition. In other words, don't run off and try to do this yourself. It, it will fail. It will fail if you try to do this in a pocket, in a vacuum. Even if you try to do it within your department, the best you can hope to do is create a little CX spike <laughs> that does not work inside the context of the larger customer journey. That This has to be done in the community of the organization together. So it's finding those right stakeholders that represent these teams. It's, it's identifying what does it look like for us to be the guide in this business? What does that look like for us to fulfill our brand promise and guide our customers to their definition of success in the way that only we can? You document some of that stuff. You get that and you get that alignment going. And, and then you start to get serious about how can we reduce friction along the path of the journey? And I know that's where we're going, Matt, is that concept <laughs> of friction fighters. But before I jump right to there, what, what do you think about that establishing the sense of urgency and that, that idea of uniting the CX Change Coalition first? It seems so easy, man. The urgency is there. You know, it, it sounds like a lot of different things right now. Like we can't hire people. We're losing staff. Um, you know, uh, people are, people don't want to come back to the office. You know, yeah. it really, that's what it feels like to me. Let, let me give you another, uh, another lighter to light the fire. Mm -hmm. the, the U.S. Surgeon General last week came out with the report around the epidemic of loneliness. Our, our society is breaking down mm -hmm. in the context of disconnection and loneliness. And we organizations, we as CX leaders have an obligation to, to create connection, to create that sense of positive identity inside the context of our, our organizational communities. Mm -hmm. And it's never been more important than it is right now. So if, if that doesn't give you a little sense of urgency, then I don't know what would. 
Yeah, exactly. Mental health is an issue, and this is a great way for leaders to address it. Simone Jamore, thanks for tuning in, Simone. It's Definitely, fun. we need a sense of urgency to get our brain to dump some adrenaline mm. into our system for action mode. Even oh, better man. than adrenaline, you know what we should put in that in that shot vial is serotonin. serotonin. Yeah. I know I we talked about this, Matt, and Simon Sinek has that brilliant chapter about how we sit here and we try to pump people up with dopamine and endorphins and competitive stuff and like the achievement of individual goals. That's not consistent with the outcomes. That's mm -hmm. not consistent with de developing a meaningful community. Let's get some serotonin flowing through where we're celebrating the achievements of those around us, where we're celebrating the incredible things we're doing for our customers and our service to them. We, we use voice of customer as a punishing stick way too much. And, and we don't use it near enough as an intrinsic motivator, as a serotonin factory. Let, let's use that serotonin to, to pump us up in the right way because that's what gives us life long-term. Those other things break us down and make us tired. It forces us to disengage and go into a self-preservation mode, which is scary. Yes, yes. Kathy Velboom with the comments. Love it. Celebrate their personal growth. Once once someone, once you break through and you're giving and they're getting, that is the time to celebrate. You've made it here. You're actually like, when you see that, it yeah. really comes down to those words of affirmation, those, those, those other love languages that you use, <sighs> you know, to, to make people realize, hey, you're doing as we expect or better than we expect. So, I mean, that, that simple statement, Matt, of, of just celebrating others. Mm. It, I mean, we've been hearing that since we were in elementary school. So why, why is that still so powerful? Well, let's be real about the state of most American organizations. Let's look at the research of tribal leadership. And they break down the five tribes inside of organizations from my life sucks to I forget the next one to this is okay to my life is great to life is great. And we're mm -hmm. trying to get to that pinnacle of what we have great pride of what we're doing here because we're making the world a better place through our brand promise together. Like we are achieving something remarkable here and that community fosters growth uh, just organically. But most organizations are trapped between like level one and two of like my life sucks and then I'm pretty good, but everybody else is not. Okay, I need to hear this concept again. What did you call right? this? It's tribal leadership. So okay. I mean, generally people are very selfish and, and the, 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 the greatest point that most organizations get to culturally is, is the idea of I'm good, but the team isn't. Yes. Okay. It's so sad to have to acknowledge. I mean, they, they say like between 60 and 80% of, of corporate cultures are caught in that sticking point and they can't get to that, that true point, that level three tribe of authentically being able to celebrate other people. Yeah, dude. I love this concept. I need to explore it more because what you what you pointed out is um, what, what does ideal look like? And we don't often think about what that means all the way down to the individual people. Yeah. Like yeah. we want to we want to actually know how are you doing? You're successful. We're successful. What does that actually look like? And I want to bring up Jason's comments yeah, again. What's going on, Jason? And first of all, huge congratulations. I'm so frustrated that I was not there to celebrate with you, but HDI community leader of the year. Uh, that is so amazing. Well done, Jason. You, you've been, you've been kicking butt at that for a, like a decade. It's amazing to see your faithfulness in that role. I love it. 
Yes. Yes. Mr. Wisher, one wish. You totally deserve that local chapter <laughs> officer of the year award. We're, we're informally calling it the best officer of the year award mm, now. Um, just because the acronym is better. I'll let you figure that out on your own. <laughs> and when we demonstrate that we care, it, dem it creates the pathway to connect on deeper levels that allows for better experiences. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. But I mean, it's so it's it's truly so hard to get to that point. I mean, as soon as the circle of psychological safety breaks down, mm -hmm. what do we do, Matt? We go into self-preservation mode mm -hmm. and there's so many things that can put that circle at risk. So, I mean, it is a truly good and mature organization where you have that circle in place enough to where people can look outside themselves and be truly celebrating the accomplishments of others and looking outward to how they can serve other people better. But that is exactly the work of CX. That is the work of IT. <laughs> that, that is the work that we get to do is, is move people forward down that path to where we can truly accelerate the mission of our organization and connect people in that way. Yeah, totally. Okay, so... I need to talk a little bit more about some of your other ventures because it's so important that people be able to connect and learn more. Um, we, we mentioned in your intro, the CX Accelerator community. Talk just a little bit about it. What is it and how do people get in? Yeah, it started in 2017 is uh, out of frustration. Mm. I was I was stuck <laughs> and, I, and I was not able to engage in a, in a community of other CX leaders uh, beyond a, a couple very trusted friends. Annette Franz, Jeff Toyster, uh, a couple others who helped me out so much in that in that critical moment where I was like, is this even the work I want to do? Uh, but decided, you know, let, let's try and form this community and, and started to do that digitally through Slack and, and found that there was many others that, that were looking for that, that sense of community to, to do this work more effectively, that little bit of inspiration, that little bit of challenge, uh, just reaching outside the walls of their organization to think and dream and clash against other perspectives uh, about how they can do this work better. It was so edifying. It was so helpful right out of the gate and has just continued to grow as others ultimately find us and, and are looking for that type of community. It's just a nonprofit thing. It will never have an expense to, to community members. Uh, the only thing that we might at some point do is, is take in some donation from, from, corporate entities or, or something that would help us to fuel the mission of the community even more, which is to grow CX professionals on their career journey. That, that is the work that we're about. And, and, and it's been that way for the past six years and, and will continue to be that way. Jenny Dempsey has a remarkable mentorship program that she's been running in there. Uh, Sally Mildred has been cultivating this incredible vlog thing called bring your own chair, which is just like raw talk about the sticky stuff that we have to deal with coming up the ranks as a CX professional and how to navigate some of those things with grace. And she is so well equipped to, to help guide that dialogue and bring others in that can help in that way. Um, so we're, we're doing some cool stuff. So cxaccelerator.com, hop in with us. You will find some remarkable people. I, I promise you won't regret it. Dude, you nailed it with that last sentence. You will find some remarkable people. And it is true. Connecting with Sally has changed my life. Uh, She's amazing. Oh, the blog. Yeah. The blog. Oh, I see. I, that's what I love about that community. Y you and Sally were just riffing in a thread. And, and me and Jeremy are like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And you have Matt and Sally who, who hadn't really known each other. They're just kind of sharpening one another through this thread. 
and and me and Jeremy are like, these two need to write a blog together. And what they came up with was nothing like what me and Jeremy thought they would. And it was so much better. It, it, it's just so cool to, to have two people collaborate in, in that safe space of, of that community forum. I love it. Thank you, Matt, for doing that, by the way. Oh, my <laughs> pleasure. And I'll reshare it on LinkedIn today. So if you haven't love seen it, it yes. uh, people can find it. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about Arise because yeah. recently Arise has kind of changed. I, re I remember it as Arise Gaming, but now oh. I found that it's not Arise Gaming. Talk a little bit about it. It's what is Arise? Than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Arise itself has been around for 25 plus years. Uh, Arise Gaming is a very new vertical inside of that, which we're thrilled about. Got it. Uh, but talk about a cool community. I mean, we have these incredible service partners uh, that, that, that do work from anywhere. They could do their work from home and, and they do amazing customer experience and customer service work. And, and they have found this unique flexibility in their life. They, they are... Uh, Without going into great deal, without going into great detail, there they're the kind of people that you want to root for, mm -hmm. and and they and they they've just they've overcome so much, so many of them, <laughs> and and they've needed that little bit of flexibility and and that that capability to to just engage with great brands, but not in the traditional sense of having to drive into work to a specific geo every day. Uh, so the, connecting great people with great brands is, is exactly what Arise has been doing for so long. Definitely way before it was cool with COVID uh, necessarily. Uh, but I mean, just just having that model in place and being the best at it and, and now innovating and building on that and just attracting all these incredible gig workers that are out there. The gig economy is exploding and it is such a great fit for customer service. I mean, think about the fact that customers don't adhere to your nine to five box the, the, the demand of your customers isn't going to fit in there. So you're going to have burst capacity that you need to be able to bring good people in so you don't burn your team out so that you can engage your customers and be there when you need to be there for them. You're, you're going to need to have some flexibility in your, in your uh, awareness, your capability to do that. And, and arises is, is that's where we specialize. So it's, it's a very cool community and it's been fun to see, that that unique need fulfilled in such a cool way through a great organization. Yeah, I love the term you used when we pre-met for this uh, burst capacity support. <sighs> so yeah. many people know what that is because we've all been under the gun, man, where the, the phone queue is just miles long. You're like, what can we even do? Have something in place. Pull them in. It'd just Protect be beautiful. People. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, as a support leader, you know, I was just so... I guess that there's a sense of pride or just fear of the unknown. Like I, I was so unwilling to, to even engage in that conversation around the, the illusion of giving up some of control to, to a third party of, of my team, my service department. Mm. When in fact I, I was just burning out my best people, mm. but by not giving them the support that they needed in, in those burst moments. So uh, I've, I've definitely had my eyes opened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You nailed it, dude. Uh, you've also got ICMI Contact Center Expo coming up, I think, next week. Yeah, I get to pre-record everything, but yeah. <laughs> but I, I can't wait to attend it. And Karen Hurt is the keynote. Uh, Karen Hurt is remarkable. Uh, her book, Courageous Cultures and Winning Well, both of those are just amazing resources. Cannot wait to hear her session. Um, so, and me and Justin have one together that we're doing on the the thing we were talking about before that left brain and right brain. How can we enhance our overall mentality towards CX to do this work even better, to accelerate the outcomes, to supplement our perspectives with others 
that have perspectives and skills and capabilities that maybe we don't have to do this work really well. So that that's going to be a great session as well. Gotta love it. Okay, Nate, where can people connect? I've heard about CX Accelerator, but where yeah. can people connect with you and learn more? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter at CX Accelerator. I'm on LinkedIn. Just put in Nate Brown. Um, certainly hop over to arise.com. We got some great resources there. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be around. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. You'll you'll <laughs> see a flamboyantly dressed man with a big smile and just talk to me. That's the best way, Matt. <laughs> I love when you come up on the feeds, dude. Thank you so much for taking some time to be on Ticket Volume. Thanks for your time today, Nate. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for learning with us. Have a good day. And to our audience, thank you. We've got a gift for you. Stickers. Send an email to ticketvolume at invigate.com with your address to get a sticker. Just like these. Supplies are limited, so first come, first serve. But it's our way of saying thanks for listening. Next month's episode will be live. We'll be featuring John Layton from NextThink. And we're waiting on a confirmation from a second guest to make sure you subscribe so that you know what to expect. This podcast is brought to you by Invigate, a fit-for-purpose service desk solution with integrated asset management designed to let you focus on supporting your organization without arduous implementations. If you're looking for great service management solutions, you will love Invigate. Teams from all over the world use Invigate to manage work, automate, and centralize inventory data so that they can focus on delivering better service. Because good service is good business. Have a great day, everyone.